You are slipping into a distorted dimension. Reality and fantasy are changing places past the event horizon. Bullies are victims, men are women, and abuse is love. You weren't here just yesterday. Reality is still out there. But to find your way back, you have to notice it. And now, the Disaffected Podcast with Joshua Slocum. So, one of the things that's been bothering me, among the many, is there seems to be a brain hangover, an emotional brain hangover that a lot of people who have left woke or who are leaving woke have a really hard time shaking. And it's the idea that there are classes of people, types of people who are capital O oppressed. And if you're capital O oppressed, you are always going to get the sympathy and there's no criticism of you that is valid or that can be allowed to be spoken without somebody pushing back. So the example I'm thinking of, the big one for this kind of people is service workers, waiters, waitresses, cashiers, clerks. This happened, and it, we got a couple of these comments on last Sunday's TV show. And that's what made me think of it because I always get these comments when I post about this on social media. Um, people say, well, customers treat them really badly or blame the CEOs, blame the management. Now, this is just blame shifting, it seems to me, because what I'm talking about, when I talk about this stuff, I tell stories of these interactions with cashiers, with waiters, with waitresses that are so either absolutely incompetent on the basics, or they're just rude. They won't make eye contact. We, we talked about it on the show this past weekend. Other people are noticing it too. Where does this idea come from that everybody who is front-facing as a customer service worker is capital O oppressed? Everybody seems to believe this, even though we're at a point now, frankly, very low-skilled jobs, like cashiering at a convenience store. It's not no skill. It's just lower skill. I was talking to the owner of the airport deli across the, uh, well, across from the airport and just said, how's you guys' business doing? I've seen, you know, you've had a hiring sign in your window forever. And the guy says to me, we can't get anybody. They're offering to pay $14 an hour to have somebody cashier at that store. And, you know, all you have to do is stand there at the cash register, give people their cigarettes, ring up their sandwiches, right? I mean, I know what it's like. I've done the job, but I mean, it's not, it's not that difficult. And he said, I won't even hire the, of the few people who apply for the job. He said, the last one who applied for the job didn't show up for our 10 o'clock in the morning interview and instead texted and said something had come up. Oh, sorry. Oh, I couldn't make it. Um, can I come in tomorrow? And the guy was like, eh. and then the person said, Oh, also, I can't do it for 14. I'm going to need more. So will that be okay? And he's just like, forget it. You don't have a job. Where did, Kevin, where does this come from? Why do people believe that people, it's not a king's ransom, but why do people 
seem to believe that there's this oppressed class of people who's so hard done by by customers that they are entitled to treat the next customer like shit too. Have you noticed this? You know, maybe there's just so many incompetent people. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. I, when I went to a Walmart and there was an employee who literally did not know what kerosene was. Yeah, we were together. <laughs> oh, were we together? She didn't yes. Know what, oh, perfect. Okay. Well, then it makes a story for the show. Um, didn't yeah, tell know, the story. Yeah, you were even more surprised than I was. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, kerosene doesn't seem like a, you know, when everyone started buzzing about ivermectin, I needed to go look up what it was. To be honest. <laughs> like I didn't, I couldn't pretend I was like, oh, I could give advice on it. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, this doesn't really answer your question. Um, I don't know why it's just, it's, it's bound in with entitlement. Um, it's, you know, entitled to not pay attention to you. Um, you know, I'm do they're doing their own thing almost. Yeah. I, well, I mean, we know that about the, the workers themselves, I guess what, I guess what gets under my skin is the number of people who defend them, who, who otherwise have woken up to how we've been exploited emotionally by all sorts of people who say that there are classes of people whose bad behavior must be excused because they were oppressed. They've been able to break away from that with LGBTQ+, for example. They've been able mm. to break away from it with Black people. They, they are able to understand and articulate that, no, your past oppression does not give you a free pass to be shitty to other people. But when it comes to service workers, it, it, it's amazing. Um, you would think that these people are working for a dollar a day in the salt mines. So then why not just, you know, why not just pass it on to everyone? I mean, why, why only the service workers? I mean, if I've had a bad day and I treat a service worker like shit, then, you know, under this sort of way of thinking, they're just going to pass it on anyway. So I've only really let them hold on to it for a bit. <laughs> Good idea. Well, I was thinking about it. Yeah, in terms of passing it on, if this is what you think is okay, if you if you feel that you need to say, every time I tell a story like this, if you feel that you need to push back on me and say, but their managers treat them badly, why don't you go ahead and apply that to everybody? So how do you know though? Do, do their managers is it I mean how No, it's just I mean, an assumption. They just yeah, they're maybe. certain that it's true. It's always true everywhere. Every manager treats every every employee badly, huh? You know what I think it is? Sounds like you can build a nice working system on that idea. <laughs> yeah, there's a nice grift in there. Uh, there's a social grift in there. You know what I think it is? It's, it's, mm. it's that hangover from, frankly, it's, it's sublimated anti-capitalism. That's what I think yeah. it is. I think yeah. part of it, yeah. and I, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to be excessively critical because it's, the past couple of years have, have been a huge shift in my thinking about this. I was that person. Right. You know, um, I don't, I actually, I didn't engage in the blame shifting, even when I was still a wokey. Um, I still found that behavior unacceptable and I couldn't understand why people thought it was okay. But I do understand the, the worldview that says there are these great big corporations, these for-profit corporations that just gobble up money and mistreat their customers and mistreat their workers. It's, but it's become this stereotyped movie villain view. Right. Well, the and only thing that unites us then is that we're workers, right? I mean, it's the only for any reason. I mean, I guess it kind of, you know, you've talked about the, um, it was, a, I think, Gavin De Becker uh, mm -hmm. book in the concept of forced teaming before. Yes. It sort of seems like that. 
Um, you know, the one thing, you know, all of these, all of these sort of like woke subsects or cells or whatever, you know, they're, they're kind of united as in, in that they'll all sort of apologize for, for each uh, other, for collectivism. Yep. And for each other. Right. Yep. I just find it strange that, that this, this is one of those sticky things that, that people coming out of leftism have a really hard time letting go of. It just well, seems <laughs> this is this is why you've really had me on the show, right? <laughs> oh, he'll be the perfect one to talk about, talk to about this. Um, yeah, me too, right? Um, you know, I um, I still I still feel sort of you know drawn back to a lot of like initial responses usually until I stop and think about something. My initial responses will sort of like harken back, you know, they'll kind of go left. It'll be yeah. like some, you know, I'll see something or some interaction between two other people. Maybe I can't think of exactly what, you know, but I'll want to judge it at the time as sort of a leftist before I mm -hmm. put myself back and say, it's none of your fucking business. Stop paying attention. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I may sound, you know, I'm not always proud of the way I treat customer service agents. Um, you know, I do, I do kind of, um, you know, I, I feel like I, you know, oh gosh, I may be on a YouTube video somewhere from 10 years ago and not even know it. Some customer service call from hell. Um, but, you know, um, all things that are, you know, all, all very, it's all very reactionary, you know, and when I stop to think about what I've done or what I've said, um, you know, or what I used to think or how I used to react, um, you know, I can pull back from that and see it as, as reactionary. And that seems to be yeah. you know, the, the lifeblood of that ideology. Yeah, I just think it's, I think it's worth thinking about. And, and, and if anybody listening to this is one of the people who does feel compelled to defend service workers that way, I'm just asking you to, to think it through. Don't, don't emote about it. Sit down and think it through. Because what you come to, I think, is the very same kind of warped ethical system that says it's okay for mommy to hate her son because men in her life treated her badly, or it's okay for daddy to hit mommy because some other lady at some other time was a bitch to him. I mean, you know, th this is, that's literally what, what we're doing when we do that, right? Passing the abuse on. Passing yeah. the abuse on. And, you know, it, the buck never stops. There's always somebody who's bigger and more powerful who did a mean to us right? We can find an excuse for any of our behavior because there's always somebody who's got more money, somebody who makes more decisions or somebody who gets to boss us around and we can just blame it on them. Right. And you know, we're like this is, you know, well, I mean, humans in 2022, um, but uh, why do, why do the service workers get the favor in the cycle of abuse um, to the degree that they do? Uh, you know. Well, I think a lot of it has to, you know what? I think a lot of it came out of Occupy Wall Street. Mm, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, that's not the first movement that had the sentiment, you know, we want to protect the workers. I think, you know, that's, that goes back, you know, forever. Um, and it isn't necessarily, it's not always just straight up Marxism. But right. some of it is straight up Marxism. But I, I think, wasn't it, wasn't it, either Occupy Wall Street or somewhere around the same time that that became prominent that we started to hear about fight for 15, the 15 million, 15 million, $15 an hour minimum wage. Sounds right. And you see what happened with that, right? The, fr the free market in a lot of areas has brought wages up to 15 or even 17. I'm seeing line cooks 
at middling restaurants here around Burlington, their jobs being advertised at $18 an hour. Right. Again, not a king's ransom, but nowhere near slave wages. Minimum wage is $7.25. That's more than double minimum wage. I believe it's more in New York. I could be wrong. Uh, no, minimum wage is set federally. I think, but doesn't New York? Oh, oh, you're right. I'm now sorry, have Kevin, their you're own... right. There are other, some states can make it higher. Yes. Right. I think it's nine something in New York. Still, mm. um, doesn't change your okay. point. What happened? You know, the free market responded to labor conditions over the past couple of years. Very abnormal labor conditions, obviously. But the free market brought those wages up, and guess what? Nobody's taking the jobs. So that apparently right. is not what was stopping people. Right. <laughs> I mean, so you, you know, have it now, you're not happy with it. Is it possible that, you know, here I'm, I know I'm going in, in the opposite direction. Well, you can defend them. You know, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, sure. I'm not defending them, but I'm just maybe more, you know, uh, you know, is it possible that you just say, you know, even with wages being this much, they look out on the sea of candidates and they're like, oh my God, you know, I'm afraid of half of them. Um, you know, or afraid of 25% of them, you know, the other 25% are completely or 50% are completely unqualified or if mentally present at all. I'm, right. I'm being extreme, I know. But I mean, it might be that, you know, there is a shift in that. I mean, I've, you know, I've tried to find people to hire um, and it can be difficult. Uh, yeah. even if you're willing to pay. But, you know, I think a lot of them also aren't willing to try. Um, they've gotten themselves in a better, easier situation that's going to uh, serve their minimum needs for now. So yeah, they'll vote for that. You know, somebody, sometimes I miss really obvious things and, and I think I miss something obvious in trying to figure out my encounter with the hippy-dippy co-op chick that I talked about on this past week's show. Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, I got my salad bar stuff and, and the flimsy paper box flipped open and dressing went everywhere and she acted like she didn't <laughs> see it. She I can see it. Over it. There, like, I, like I was there. <laughs> Pardon I what? Can I can picture it exactly. It's just like I was there. Uh, yeah. Well, somebody <laughs> said to me, and, and I was like, duh, obviously. He's like, it's a co-op. It sounds like what I happen, uh, what I see at Whole Foods. You said she was young. She's stoned. They all go to work stoned. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And that's probably true for some of it. Right. It's not all right. of it, though. It can't explain all of it. I mean, it, you know, that, and, and I would imagine that not only are they stoned, and, you know, obviously I, I have not very much to say about that, but, um, oh, you know. You, but, no but, judgment but it's for good me. I get stoned, too. Stoned. I just don't do it during the work day. Right, exactly. You know, and I wonder if that falls in the uh, list of things that should be shameful, but have been turned into like points of pride. I think so. <laughs> I'm having my, you know, 18th abortion party. <laughs> <laughs> how close are you to filling up your punch card? I mean, how many do you well, have to have before you get a freebie? I mean, you should have seen what we did with the cake on 17. 18 is going to be a hit. No, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> punch card. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't shared this, but I think I'm going to. Well. So speaking of uh, abortions, this, what I'm about to say is really sick and really dark, but I think it's funny. So 
<laughs> my friend George and I, you guys listening to the show might remember George. He's been on a couple of times on the show. He's uh, one of my closest friends. I met him in college. We're constantly coming up with ridiculous uh, commercial parodies or candid camera type. Oh, I just realized nobody knows what that is anymore. You know, <laughs> maybe uh, what was that more recent show, uh, Pranked? You know, where you set up these false scenarios and you film how people act in the real world. So what if you went to a mall and mm -hmm. rented one of the stores and, and put up Planned Parenthood Express? And it would have to be done <laughs> like with just an X and a capital P, you know, Express. Yep. And it would be right next door to Orange Julius. And, and so what would happen? They, they'd have a sale going on. So they put a sign in you know, free orange Julius if you buy two. And <laughs> so they're trying to get trade from the women who are carrying twins. But here's the, here's the really sick part. So we'd hire an actress and we'd, we'd, put a, we'd put a prosthetic on her so that she looked nine months pregnant, like really super big, like a steamboat. Right. She'd go in and she'd come out half an hour later, completely svelte. And walk over to Orange Julius. <laughs> we'd, we'd and I just want to sit there with a hidden camera and watch people watch this happen. <laughs> I feel like we'd need to have her on a bench outside for at least, you know, 30 minutes, like waiting to be seen in front of like a maybe in. Yeah, maybe in, in front a, of the employees at the other stores around there. In a mall. Uh, yeah, in a mall. Hot topic. Um. <laughs> yeah, Orange Julius, like I said. <laughs> okay, we are coming up on the halfway mark and we are going to take a break and um, a little bit of behind the scenes boring magic for you guys. When we take a break, we just sit here for about 10 or 15 seconds of silence because it makes it easier to find when we're editing. And you guys hear commercials, but we just sit here and don't talk. So we're going to sit here and don't talk and see you after the break. Kevin and Josh work themselves to the bone to bring you dark and disturbing content every week. There are starving listeners overseas who get no podcasts at all. Show appropriate gratitude today by making a donation at patreon.com forward slash disaffected or at subscribestar.com forward slash disaffected. Do it for mother. And we're back. <laughs> it sort of interrupted the flow though really <laughs> yeah i know well that's that's what happens when you take breaks kevin well if i you got to use that. the microphone i was on earlier at least you could have heard me breathing coming back into it that's nice oh my god you guys it was like this <sighs> it was like an emphysemic darth vader <laughs> and that's not your natural breathing. That was just your stupid microphone making it sound like that. Yeah, I put it, I think it was, I think it was my nose. Um, <laughs> you know, I was listening to you read through the uh, local Vermont media and I, <laughs> that makes me breathe heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and sick. Now you're going to walk around <laughs> trying to get sympathy. I'm a deviated symptom, I'm disabled. <laughs> no, nah, I just need some water. <laughs> mm. Here's something else I was thinking about. We are being slowly trained to accept new ideas about our ethical duties when we are physically sick. So 
I'm watching this happen very slowly and I wish that people would notice this in themselves because I noticed it in myself a couple of years ago and I, I put a stop to it because I realized that I was getting subtly nudged down a pathway. And the pathway is this. <clears throat> We've heard people say for a long time, if you're sick, you know, you're coughing and sneezing, it's not, it's not great to show your dedication to work and you're not storing up any treasure in heaven by coming in, no matter how sick you are, you're actually exposing other people to your sickness. And, and that's particularly a sympathetic point of view when a person is working in food service, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But it's inching along and a little bit more every day, even reasonable people are starting to agree with what I think of as COVID warped ethical um, prescriptions around sick. So you could say if somebody's in the middle of full blown flu and they're hacking and coughing and they're feverish, obviously you really need to stay home. It's not cool to come out and spread that. I don't think it should mm -hmm. be a law, but I think it should be a socially enforced custom. Mm -hmm. But today, well, if you're sneezing, maybe you shouldn't come in. Mm -hmm. I parents are telling me about children being sent home from school for having a runny nose because it could be symptoms of COVID, which makes zero sense on any level. First of all, because it probably is not symptoms of COVID. Actual colds do exist. They didn't go away. Um, and even if it is COVID, we know that the children aren't going to die from it. Right. So what is, this, what is this about? Are we, you know, ask yourself, dear listener, have you been nudged into getting ever tighter about this? Do you now think it's a moral duty not to go out in public if you've got a sore throat and you have to cough a few times? Like, well, it's how? certainly convenient. It's certainly convenient that um, you can pretend it's a moral duty, right? I mean, how many of these people think that it is their moral duty to stay home? Because it's probably very low. But since everyone has to accept that as a reason, you know, it's a, a you know, it's an excuse. Yeah, well, yeah. I suppose it is very convenient that the the, the morally righteous act is to take a day off work. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be so tough <laughs> i'm going to be suffering for me <laughs> oh <laughs> oh my yeah. god I, I don't know I, well i think I, I i think if we don't pay attention to this that the the line in our head called too sick to go out in public is going to get tighter and tighter and right. you know i mean if it were the year 2000 you know, like I said, if somebody had the raging flu, most people would agree that they mm -hmm. needed to stay home. But it's 2022, and now we're getting children sent home from school for having runny noses or sniffles, as if that weren't the most normal thing ever. And right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the science or the epidemiology. And I was going to say, I don't think anybody does because I don't trust anything they say anymore. But I speculate. Is our hygiene fetish, our unwillingness to go out in public, which is still going on to some degree, the hand sanitizer, everything, 
are we actually creating conditions where our immune systems are becoming weakened because they're not trained to fight things off? Oh, right. Yeah. Like over, over, over several years or decades of this sort of behavior, that would be interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I wonder, I mean, there's, there's some evidence out there. I don't know that it's ever been proven definitively, but you know, when they talk about breeding, well, all you need to do is look at antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Antibiotics are so overused and some doctors still will prescribe them to people basically as a placebo, even if they have a virus, which antibiotics don't, in, don't uh, affect. And the more we use them and the more inappropriately we use them, the more we're pushing strains of bacteria to evolve around them so that they, they become resistant. So I wonder if something similar might happen to our immune system. Especially it matter. It'll be healthy. It's good for you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't know to what, to what level of crazy are we willing to accept? I mean, I don't, I don't have that problem. I don't have a phobia of, you know, I went out throughout the pandemic and well, maybe, maybe not at first, you know, I was definitely scared. Well, at know, first like I was nervous else, too, but, you know, yeah. for about, for about three weeks before we knew anything about this, we didn't have any experience. We hadn't yet been fully lied to, you know, it made sense to be cautious about the sounds like a new disease might be really serious, but it only took me two or three weeks before I saw through this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, once I had, once I had made up my mind that it was, you know, I don't know, maybe some risk, but you know what, what wasn't, um, right? You know, I just sort of flagrantly disregarded all of the, um, all of the regulations. I, I came and went as I pleased. I didn't go to Rhode Island though, <laughs> uh, for some period of time. I mean, you know, imagine this. Like, what are we going to think of this? Well, maybe 10 years from now, it'll be normal. But, you know, Rhode Island, I believe part of their initial response in a panic was to just start pulling over people with New York plates. And oh, you're, that's them. right. That's right. <laughs> how, you know, how does that sound now? You know, when we talk about it, doesn't that sound weird now? You know, you just have New York plates and you're, I mean, it's not weird just then. weird. It's, 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 it's not weird. It's unconstitutional. We have a constitutional right to travel freely among the states. Right. It's there is no such thing as state line checkpoints. Do people not know that? Well, I think we learned I mean, that it doesn't care. matter because as soon as they started putting them there in practice, how many people actually said, wait a minute, that's not legal, it's not constitutional? Not very many. Right. Hmm. And if well, you did you traveling outside your state, should you? <laughs> <laughs> Never a good boy. Never a good boy. <laughs> I, I know. It's so ridiculous. It's interesting to me watching the holdouts because as time goes on, well, cor correct me. If, if you see this differently, tell me. But from I what will, I'm but I have a strategy and you have to not let me forget. I have a strategy to deal with what I think you're going to say. Um, and, and okay, I'll, I'll, that hold that, I'll hold that thought. You have a strategy. Mm. Okay. As time goes on and more and more people put down the paranoia and put down the masks and put down the idea that you have to be vaccinated, we're sorting and filtering out the really hardcore people. And you notice them because they're the ones who are still masking outdoors. They're still sitting alone. And not that it was ever sensible. It was never sensible to mask outdoors or to sit alone in your car with a mask on. Uh, but those people are becoming more obvious to me now because there are fewer of them around. So I notice them more. They stick out. What is going on with these people? 
why are we watching? Okay, a couple examples earlier today. So this morning, after I got out of the dentist, I'm never not at the dentist anymore. I told them this morning they should just build a suite and I'll rent it. And if I don't need any dental work, I'll just sit there and, and relax and listen to their Spotify. But if I need dental work, they can just come in with the Novocaine because I spent so goddamn much money. I basically should own a room at my dentist's office. We should do a show called Dental Work, I think. Ugh. Ugh. It's terrible. So when I get out of the dentist, I went to, uh, I've got a tire that's got a leak in it and I wanted to get it fixed. And I've been going by this place for the past three days and Never mind. I won't get off on that digression. I pulled in, got out of my car. I'm walking by Vermont Tire. They've got two buildings and a huge parking lot where all the cars are and a bunch of tires are stacked outside. And I'm looking at a couple of these guys and they look like every car mechanic you've ever seen. You know, they're they're older, middle-aged guys, beer bellies, mustaches. You know, they're probably on the volunteer fire department. You know these guys. We've all grown up with them. Mm-hmm. They're standing outside talking to each other with fucking N95 masks on outdoors in the bright sunlight at 10 o'clock in the morning. Wait, how recently was this? This morning. <laughs> well, I mean, what are you, you doing? Know, it's like it's like focusing sunlight through a magnifying glass in, in Vermont and some other places too. Um, you know, it's it's a little extra weird there, but I see it here all the time still too. They like it. You know, and I think, you know, maybe you break them down, you know, the, of the people who are still wearing the masks, you can break them down into a couple of categories as to like why they come to it. Um, there may be, you know, I think there are some that are still just desperately afraid and crazy. And like you've said before, it, it tweaked out their hypochondriac, you know, whatever, whatever they already were, it just fueled them. It just sent them to the moon and they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's definitely, there's, this definitely has made the clinical level hypochondriac. So people who, whose actual, like their lives are poorer because of their condition. It's not just a mild anxiety thing. It's actually affecting their lives. Right. You can see them now because they, they were given permission. Their, their personal mental ailment was normalized. And not that I can do anything about it, but I think it's sad and unfortunate because they have been validated. They've been culturally and medically validated in a Mm -hmm. normal time. They might have a chance of being noticed by a friend mm-hmm. or a doctor mm-hmm. or even a counselor saying, you know, you're really, you're really anxious about this. Do you want to talk about that? We don't even, we don't notice it anymore. I, and if we do notice it, well, it's, well, it is, it's like going to the dentist this morning. They've still got a sign on the door that says mask required per CDC guidelines. So for the first time in, in Almost a month, I had to put a mask on to get into my dentist this morning. Or CDC makes, guidelines. They know, do they acknowledge that that's not any longer true? I, I, you, you didn't press this is on one it? of those places I'm not going to bring it up. I, I said yeah. something once. I'm not going to say it again. Because, and, and I love my dentist and I love everybody who works there. But quite honestly, I know how people work psychologically in a lot of ways. And even if they don't consciously mean to, I do believe that if I were to be too disagreeable about this, that it might affect oh, yeah. their hair. They'll, they'll poke that. I mean, you see it on Twitter. They'll poke that. They'll poke the pick in a little. They'll get you. <laughs> right. I mean, well, it, you, don't, you don't want a pissed off dentist. <laughs> no. But I mean, honestly, I, I mean, 
the dentist's office with everybody in there is in there to get their big mouth propped open for an hour or two. It is the most in your face, orally intensive thing. How could masks do anything? You have to take them off to get into your mouth. Right. Why does that right. matter in the waiting room? But it doesn't matter exactly <laughs> 10 steps away in the exam room. Right. Well, I mean, you're asking me, obviously it doesn't. I mean, what are they going to say? Um, well, we know what they're going to say. Uh, you, you could come into contact with someone else in the waiting room. It reduces your exposure. Oh, fuck off. You know, I don't know. I, I <clears throat> you know, but in the, the problem with the dentist, obviously, is it's not like the supermarket. You can't just choose a different place. You've been there. You have an account there. They know your history. They've worked with you. Uh, you're kind of stuck. Right. Here's an interesting tweet from Jill Filipovich who I guess is a lawyer and author. I see her on social media all the time. She's a lefty blue check. I think it illustrates something really wrong with our discourse about the relations between men and women and the relationship between work and home and family life. She writes, more mothers at home, she's referring to stay-at-home mothers, more mothers at home makes for worse, more sexist men who see women as mommies and help meets. Men with stay-at-home wives are more sexist than men with working wives. They don't assess women's workplace contributions fairly, and they are less likely to hire and promote women. Is any of that actually true? Men with stay-at-home wives are more sexist? I hate to do this, but citation, please. <laughs> How do you measure that? It, it sounds like it just it's wished to be true for, you know, it's just... Then she says, <clears throat> they don't assess women's workplace contributions fairly. Again, how do you know that? What's your data set? <laughs> Where do they want to be? <laughs> do they want to be out at work? That, that's yeah. not even, well, here's what bothers me about this. And this is a very typical stance that women of this class, middle and upper middle class, white, liberal, managerial media type women, they, you hear it. She doesn't even, it doesn't even occur to her what, what the household or the family needs. The only thing that matters to her mm -hmm. is her perception of what men think about women. So she sees the choice about whether to be a stay-at-home mom or working mother is not about what's good for the children. It's not about what's good for the family finances. It's about making men less sexist. That's the only important thing to her. I, I think there's a lot of that among these women. I, I, ju I just find it astonishing that you could look at... It's narcissistic, isn't it? Well, hello, listener. It's Mommy again. You're quite welcome for the fine program. Why don't you show some gratitude? Send Mommy some money on Patreon. Patreon.com slash disaffected. Or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. You wouldn't want Mommy to starve, would you? And if you don't love your dear mother, you're not invited to find us on YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey for our hottest weekly content. I guess this is goodbye forever.